kind of an interesting study in genetics that my voice is way too loud and yours is way too quiet. But I know these mics seem to pick up everything but me. Which is kind of funny. Like we have these microphones set to the exact same settings and it sounds like Dan is in a different room and I am right in your ear. So um yeah, we, we hear you guys. We're we're doing our best. This is a um it's a long term project and ten years from now we'll sound much better than we do now. But but yeah. Um yeah, so gonna touch on a couple things today. Um we want to talk about nutrition, uh primarily, but we also I also wanted to touch a little bit before we begin um, on, on like the amazing two weeks we've had for women cycling, um, jump into those a little bit, some controversy today, um, you know, mostly common sense, but, uh, yeah, we'll jump right in. You know, I was kind of surprised that there wasn't already a women's Tour de France. Oh, I mean, that's because you're you're a mountain biker. You know, like you you've existed in a world of cycling where there is gender parity. You know, well, absolutely. I mean, with with cross country mountain bike racing, I would say the women's races are just as exciting and important as the men's races. Oh, a hundred. I mean, even more so. Some. I mean, because if you think in, in cross country over the past decade, it's been the Nino Schurter show. That just hasn't been the case in the women's. I mean, you could pick out five or six who have been really dominant at different times, but it's not like we've had, you know, utter domination from one or two riders for a decade. You know, it is way more exciting. To oh watch. yeah, the the women's cross country races are always full of more surprises. They're always less predictable, and there's just so many exciting players in the field. It's it's just been such a cool thing to watch. So I was kind of surprised that this is even a thing. Yeah, it, really. And it's a bummer. Like, um, you know, I, in, like I've said it a million times before, there is essentially one cycling event that is alive in the consciousness of the general public, and that is the Tour de France, and there is not one for women. You know, like, there was La Course, which some of you might be familiar with. It was like a two- or three-day little piddly tokenism race that they threw out. And then in the 80s, there was a women's tour. But, like, you know, uh, props to Zwift. We should say that the proper name of the race we're referring to, which ended uh, yesterday, I believe, um, uh, was uh, uh, Le Tour de France Femme of Zwift, right? Um, and I think really quick before anything else, bravo Zwift. Oh, absolutely. Zwift bankrolled this race. Like, without them, it wouldn't have happened. You know, but I think they're on the edge of something cool, and I think this will be a good investment for them. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'd say, like, yeah, go, go. I mean, they don't sponsor us or anything, but they're doing great things for cycling. Go sign up for Zwift. I mean, Zwift's been a game changer for me. Like, oh, absolutely. Really, truly. I love it, and I keep my, my subscription throughout the summer even. Um, it's, it's, it's a really, really cool product. Yeah. I mean, just a quick overview if you didn't watch, and I would encourage you go back and watch it. I mean, um, uh, NBC has the rights to, um, all of the tour stuff if you're here in the States. And I think it's like eight bucks to pay for a month worth of their, um, it's called Peacock, uh, their app that you can go watch on. Um, really exciting racing as, as a quick recap. Um, the, uh, you know, we had, some of the greatest names in not only in women's cycling, but in the history of women's cycling. I mean, you had Mariana Voss and Annemiek van Vluten at this race. And that alone, right? I mean, you've got two gods of women's cycling, right? Uh, van Vluten won the overall. She is the first winner of a legit women's tour since the 80s. Uh, we had Voss winning a stage. We had some really incredible sprints from uh, Lorena Vibus. And then um, uh, probably the most popular victory in cycling this year came from Cecile Utrup-Ludwig winning in the Danish national champions jersey. Like really cool, um, 
super gutsy, you know, like lots of, like these these women race with panache that is kind of disappeared in the men's races in the past few years with power meters and everything where it's a lot more calculated. The women's race is just this swashbuckling action the whole time, you know. You have people blowing up, crazy stuff going on in the descent. So um, go and watch it. Great time for women's cycling. And then we're both, I should say, Dan and I are both very proud to be involved with a team that is, I think, probably one of the best teams for youth uh, female cyclists to be on right now. Wouldn't you agree? I hope so. We've got a lot of amazing female riders and a lot of really talented female coaches. You know, and the cool thing about cycling and endurance sports is it's a sport where the rift between men and women isn't that big, you know, especially more towards the endurance end of it. Oh, like in the mountain bike side, there is something to be said for just having more muscle mass, but like on the road side, it's not like you could take the top, you know, I mean, Annemiek van Vluten trains with the men's Movistar team. You know, she is almost, I mean, in her case, she's almost, she's transcended her sport entirely. She's that good, but um, yeah, go and watch it. Like, and, you know, and the way to make you know, the way to make a change is to watch women cycling, like interact with it, engage it, follow it on Instagram. You know, show the cycling industry that we care and that we want women cycling to uh, you know to do well. Um, so that's that's our you know before anything else, we wanted to touch on that. But our topic today is that is really interesting. We had a, a, a listener write in, kind of sounds heady to call it. One of the kids on the team asked us to talk about nutrition, and that sounds easy until you think about how to do it because nutrition is ridiculously controversial. Like, you know, and it really doesn't need to be, I think, I think it's, it's a huge subject and you know, the human body is remarkable, but it's extremely complex. All the processes that go into our sport within the body are just, it's, it's just mind blowing to try and wrap your head around. And nutrition's the same. There's so many chemical reactions and just so much complexity in it, but we're going to just try to keep it simple and and focus more on how it can make us better athletes and better people, and and try and avoid too much controversy. And and you know we're just going to be talking about my my bias and my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. You know if you're, you know if you have any any special medical needs, obviously listen to your doctor before you listen to me. And of course, like standard disclaimer, we're not medical professionals. This is not medical yeah. advice, and we're also kind of like. We're more when we talk about kind of the use side of things. I think most nutrition advice out there is for people, like candidly for people who are in their 40s and up who are concerned about their weight is where most nutrition advice that oh, yeah. people are aware of comes from. That's a from. really good point. This advice is specifically for, for athletes and even more specifically probably youth athletes um, without any many special medical considerations. We're yeah. assuming that you're basically healthy. Yeah. If you fall out of the like the average, you know, statistical bell curve for people, just know this might not apply to you know apply to you. But yeah, for like a lot of us, like I wish um, I've learned a lot about nutrition since I was a Nike racer. And if I'd known if I'd known more, it's not an exaggeration to say I would have I would have, you know, done a lot better in races. I'm confident saying I can draw that line between that and that. So um, Dan has six points we want to touch on. Six, right? Yeah. But first, let me give you a little background about my nutritional history. I am I am trying to be a healthier eater in general, but growing up, I never really loved vegetables. In fact, when my mom cooked vegetables, she would just boil them and I think put salt and pepper on them, and they were kind of slimy and gross. And I think people are getting a lot better at cooking vegetables nowadays. It's a lot more fun to eat healthy nowadays. And I mean, I take my, I really enjoy eating. I take my food seriously. I enjoy it a lot. And I, I hope the things that we talk about today make it, make you realize that it still can be fun and enjoyable to eat healthy. 
and you don't you don't have to go around starving at all i mean in fact it's quite the opposite no like we're not here to endorse nutritional piety you know people like I, and I hate it. There's this whole culture you see it in. I'm sure everybody listening has seen this on Instagram where someone's like, yeah, you know, I go to the gym eight hours a day and then I eat an unseasoned chicken breast with water and then I go to sleep at eight. You know, like that's not, you know, like you guys are athletes who are riding a lot and you're burning a lot of fuel. And like I, you know, I eat a lot of food. I, I like to eat good food too. You know, we're not going to tell you like don't eat foods you enjoy, you know, eat, you know, plain rolled oats and spinach all the time. Like we, we hope that this is um, advice that will allow you to be better athletes and uh, enjoy uh, eating more. You know, I think be more cognizant of it, you know, that it is a, a wonderful thing. I don't think you should be casual about the way that you eat at all. So the first, and this is probably the only controversial point I'm going to make, is I really don't think any of you should subscribe to diets that already have a name. I mean, you've got like Atkins, Paleo, Low Carb, Keto. Keto is probably the goofiest one. Um, well, not really. I mean, there are certain people that it would, Again, it would for, be beneficial for youth for, endurance athletes. For, for youth endurance about. athletes, if your doctor recommends going on a keto diet, I would definitely get a second opinion, at least. Unless you're epileptic or something again. Yeah, yeah. unless you're, yeah. There's, there are some conditions where that would be beneficial, but not for a youth cyclist. Um, you know, and, and we mentioned that the nutrition can be complicated, but I don't really think so. I, I used to kind of joke about the diet that I follow is kind of the no duh diet, which just basically means that like that some chicken and vegetables is healthy and and Oreos and Baja Blast Mountain Dew is not. You know, and it doesn't really. I think most of us know some choices are better than others. Kate Courtney said something once that I thought was really interesting. She said that she's on the Kate Courtney diet, and and that's why I think we should avoid diets that already have names because it's so individual you know what what works for one person might not work for another person everyone has some special considerations um and but the, the guidelines that we're talking about are pretty pretty basic and i think would help most people um in our circumstances so it's so like off the bat what is what is the first point so the first point is to eat enough and I would say that this is probably the most important point to make sure that you're eating enough. Um, you know, with with our energy consumption, it needs to be balanced with our energy expenditure. And if one of those things is off balance, we're either going to gain weight, or if it's too off balance in the other way, we're going to lose, lose yeah. performance. You know, yeah. our, our body basically consumes itself if we don't have enough calories to to provide the energy that we, we're using. So eating enough is so important, especially for athletes. We have huge energy demands. If, if you're not matching those demands with what you're bringing in, you're going to have major problems. I would say that this is almost everyone that overtrains is also undernourished. You know, that, that is actually true. Like every time we've seen this, and um, there's always some nutritional component there, whether it's unproductive weight loss goals or yeah, or even people and like, and this is kind of a side point too. Like, this isn't just people with like disordered eating. This could just be somebody who's like, I have a really hard time eating on the bike, or I have a really hard time eating the morning before a race. You know, like for people who just, you know, uh, my fiance says all the time, like, oh, I forgot to eat, which is insane to me. But like, you, like that might be you too. You know, like you need to like, you know, I I know that this is like the cl most cliche metaphor, but like if you don't put gas in your car, it's not going to go. 
right? Like, you know, as laws of, you know, thermodynamics, like there has to be energy to expend to make, you know, your body move and do things. Um, so this probably applies a little bit to everyone. Absolutely. And, and along with eating enough, I mean, it's not super complicated. If you're hungry, eat. If you're full, stop eating. I know sometimes like if I'm eating something I really, really enjoy, I will continue to eat it until I'm sick and then I don't feel very good after. So eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And another thing along this first one is, you know, eat the best quality food you can afford. But as far as the no-duh diet goes, we're talking about eating vegetables versus Oreos. I mean, if, if you're getting your vegetables from Walmart versus Whole Foods, they're both good. One might be a little bit better, but you're both, they're both good. So don't, don't stress out too much about how, how clean or how, or, or, or like, the quality, you know. I'll throw it organic. I, I don't, I don't think there's a good nutritional basis or performance basis for saying that your apple needs to be organic versus not. Like that's and there not may what we're be, about here. there may be, but still, eating an organic apple versus a regular apple from the store, they're both good. And yeah, yeah. You don't need. I, I really don't think you need to stress out too much about that, unless it's easily affordable for you. Then I guess might as well. Yeah, but, go for it. But you know, like like. Um, I mean, I I eat frozen vegetables from Costco. I don't get them all from the farmers market, and I guess that's probably better than nothing. Oh, it's, well, it's actually, fine, actually. So yeah, don't don't stress too much about the quality. So eating enough is number one. So number two is to eat a plant-heavy diet. Now, most, anecdotally, most of the vegans I know are fit, healthy people. And, and I don't really think that they're so fit and healthy because they've eliminated meat. I think it's more what they include in their diet to be able to eliminate meat that makes them healthy. Um, plants are remarkable. I mean, they, they have just so many phytonutrients, flavonoids, vitamins, minerals, fiber. There's so many amazing things about plants that our body just really, really needs. And one piece of advice that I've, I've heard recently, which I think is just fantastic advice, and at first it sounded a little bit unreachable, is to try and include 30 different plants into your diet each week at least. You know, that kind of sounds like a lot if you're thinking just vegetables, but if you think in terms of like berries and and fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds. I mean, like wheat and oats would fall under that as well, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think most of us probably get somewhat close to that anyway. Yeah. And, and by having that much variety, you're just getting so many of these amazing nutrients, which really can't be supplemented. And the more variety you get, the better. As, as far as our guts go, um, the more variety we get, the more different types of fibers we get. It, it encourages a healthy gut biome. The more variety you get with your, with your plants, the better. Really quick on veganism, I am curious. Like, I, I've, if, if you had to ask, if you asked me, and you probably shouldn't, but if you asked me, I would almost say that like, if you want to pursue veganism for ethical reasons, that's great, and it is not incompatible with performance, but I don't think that there are a whole lot of professional athletes who go vegan as a means to improve their performance. Does that sound fair? That like you can make it work, but it's not like everyone should go vegan to make them faster? Or what are your thoughts on that? 
So that's a good question. I would say on the amateur level, most people would benefit from going vegan. But on the pro level, I, I think most people, I mean, most of the World Tour pros do consume animal products. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'm almost jumping ahead to my third point, but uh, if you could really have a mostly vegan diet, but add some meat or add some chicken, fish, eggs, some you know healthy lean protein sources to that diet, I think that's the golden ticket right there. Because like I said before, I don't, I don't think veganism is so healthy because of they've eliminated meat. I think it's all the different varieties of plants that they've included that make it so healthy. And well, sorry, sorry to jump in there on, uh, you know, give you a good segue into your third point. Um, yeah, you jump into that, I guess. Well, and, and let me just kind of finish up on, on, on the plants. So one thing that, that's super important is just understanding how important fiber is in our diet. Um, you know, fiber basically slows down the digestion of carbs and it, it stabilizes our blood sugar. And it's also really, really good for our gut biome. And having a healthy gut is part of the keys to staying healthy. It, it helps our immune system. And interestingly enough, our immune system is what helps us recover from strenuous exercise. So say you recover twice as fast as I do. That means during a week, you could squeeze twice as many hard workouts into a, a week than I could because you recover faster. And ultimately, that would make you a better writer. So another super cool thing about plants is that they're very filling. They, the fiber that they contain fills you up. They also, have, they also contain carbohydrates, which give you the fuel you'll need for your upcoming workouts. One thing I just want to point out is, I mean, there's a lot of people that think foods like potatoes and rice and, and some breads are bad. I don't necessarily do unless you're like pre-diabetic or something. I think these are great sources of fuel to, to fuel upcoming workouts. And, and again, a lot of these foods do contain enough fiber that um, it won't cause a blood sugar spike like, like more processed foods. Was. I think these are great healthy ways to fuel your upcoming workouts. So that's, that's it on plants. Let's move on to number three, and that's talking about animal proteins. Again, I just want to reemphasize a mostly plant-based diet with some healthy lean meats, fish, eggs. I really think that that's an awesome way to go because you're getting all those amazing nutrients from the plants that you eat. But I do think that, that meats, fish, eggs have some nutrients. They're, they're very nutrient dense as well. And they tend to have some things that are difficult to get if you have a strictly plant-based diet. Now, with the meat, you don't want to be a total carnivore and overdo it. I mean, your plate should be kind of like, like Ryan Kohler said, you know, maybe a portion of meat about the size of your palm and the rest of your plate filled with vegetables and grains and, and plants. It's like what overall proportion of your diet do you think, roughly speaking, should be meat, eggs, fish, etc.? Well, I, I don't really know offhand, but I like what Ryan, Ryan Kohler's rule of thumb where, you know, per meal, it's, it's this, about the size of your palm, that, that that should be your protein. And then the rest of the plate should be 
should be plant-based. Protein, though, does exist on the spectrum too, right? Like like a hot dog versus like a chicken breast or and, something, And I right? did I did specify lean, healthy meats. And okay. Yeah, like a, like a hamburger. Uh, they're delicious. I love them. But I think chicken and fish and even maybe and maybe even pork can can be healthy um, depending how they're served. So what is it in beef in particular? It seems like is the one people always pick on like nutritionally is the issue there. Well, it is good because it has like iron, but it, it is it is a fattier meat. Do you want to discuss really quick like the role of fats in, in an athlete's diet? Like, you know, I, I'd assume, you know, we're kind of past the 90s obsession with nothing can have fat in it, but you don't want to have enough to clog your arteries. Like, do you have any particular thoughts on that? Well, there are definitely healthier fats and fats that should be avoided. Um, but in general, in general, they don't necessarily, you know, fat's not bad. It's, it's another fuel. Um, you know, obviously you should avoid trans fats and, and harmful fats. But um, healthy fats such as olive oil and avocado are, which should be sought after. It's I like mean, poly and mono yeah. unsaturated fats are the way to go. So yeah, so you know, mostly plant-based. Add some meat to it. I do think that that's the the ideal way to go as far as nutrition goes. So the fourth one is avoiding highly processed foods and simple sugars. So it's like a definition of terms, really quick. Highly processed food means what? Well, it, it's a lot of the food that you just get from the grocery store in a package. Um, you know, some examples, some really good examples of highly processed foods would be potato chips, crackers, cookies, um, French fries, like cold cereal, cold cereal kind of stuff, unfortunately. White. That's my favorite. Yeah, I love cold cereal too. But there's a time and place for it, and we'll talk about that. But um, really white breads, um, some really refined pastas. These are examples of highly processed foods. Some, you know, another thing to be aware of too is like fruit juice. You know, most of the fiber's been removed from the fruit. Fruit juice and fruit aren't the same thing, and a lot of people think that drinking fruit juice is healthy. When in reality, it's just a lot of simple sugar. I think we should point that there are a lot of things that people think are healthy, or and, and things that are cynically marketed as being healthy that aren't aren't necessarily good. Like I think fruit juice is a good example of something that, like, you know, I mean, you might get some vitamins from it. Um, you know, so it might be superior to like a glass of soda in that way. But if you really look at it, like it is, you know, again, you should just be aware of the fact that it is a lot of simple sugars. And again, we're not saying that those are bad, but they have their place and you need to be strategic, right? For sure. So, and I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but we, we talked about how much we both love cold cereal, you know, so you've got your diet. There's there, you have your two diets, your diet when you're on the bike and your diet when you're off the bike. And when you're on the bike, things like fiber aren't really going to help you out. But when you're off the bike, fiber's an amazing thing. And when you're on the bike, simple sugars, especially when you're you're doing more intense workouts, simple sugars are the fuel of choice. Whereas when you're off the bike, simple sugars and processed foods really don't do you any good. They're just they're just not good for you. So you know I. I like to eat cereal, and one thing I like to do is is I will have a bowl of cereal to fuel my ride. Like right before I go on a ride, I'll enjoy a bowl of cereal. And then it's providing fuel and energy for my ride, which gives me a better workout. I figure, you know, we, a lot of people eat gels and bars anyway. Might as well 
fuel your ride with something that you enjoy. Just to throw it out there, the, the uh, you know the ride food industry might have me assassinated for this, but like I think there are a lot of things you could replace that expensive name brand you know ride fuel bar with that are like essentially nutritionally the same. Oh yeah, you know I mean like you could argue like it comes from a better source or something, and if that's important to you, that's fine. But like in in pure raw nutritional terms, like. You know, I, we had a professional cyclist who was involved with the Skyline team when we first started, and he always said his favorite things to carry in his pocket. Again, a professional cyclist were like a piece of last night's pizza and tinfoil and a banana, right? Like you don't need to be buying, you know, $3 a pop, you know, super fancy ride bars to do this sport at all. Yeah. And, and we're going to do a, like a whole podcast on fueling rides and fueling um, workouts. But, but some of these things that I enjoy that aren't necessarily healthy – throughout your day-to-day life, I I do like to use to fuel on the bike so I can still enjoy them. It's just timing them when your body processes these things in a better way. So yeah, so just, just avoid the simple sugars, the highly processed foods. They're very addictive. They don't fill you up. Sometimes I think chips and crackers and tortilla chips, I love those things, but they almost make you hungrier. Whereas like a plate full of vegetables will just fill your stomach right up. So And again, that's for off the bike. You know, don't don't eat a plate full of vegetables before a race, right? Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, fiber won't help you during yeah. a race. Be be intelligent and time yes. things well. So, it's kind of yeah, the gist of what we're trying to say there. And and the last the last one, number five, is it's okay to enjoy life every once in a while. You don't have to be perfect all the time. Um, I think like 80-20 or 90-10 or whatever ratio you decide, um, you just need to be good most of the time, like 90% of the time, and 10% of the time you can do things you enjoy. You know, If you go out to dinner with some friends, you can order something that you enjoy and taste good and not worry about it too much. If Because it's really like one good healthy meal isn't going to make a big, huge difference. One bad for you meal really isn't going to make a huge difference. It's what you do most days like the majority of your days that actually makes a difference oh yeah like if you're driving across or you, you, let's say you're driving to california right and it's you know one in the morning and you guys stop at taco bell because you're hungry like that's fine but if you're eating taco bell for lunch every day you know you leave work and go to the go to taco bell and get a cheesy gordita crunch like maybe reevaluate that as a habit you know i think i think the kind of essence here is that your habits are what matter not you know what you do for the instagram photo shoot of your healthy breakfast one morning or you know, that one bad night where your friend comes into town and you guys eat a pizza together, you know, like, I think, I think again, you know, be intelligent, use discretion, kind of, a, kind of the gist here. Yeah. And so that, those are the five things, um, just to kind of wrap things up a little bit, you know, first of all, I think everything we talked about was pretty common sense and I don't think anyone's heard anything new. I think it's pretty safe, sound advice. Um, one thing I do want to reiterate is that if you if you eat good nutrient dense plant based foods with with healthy proteins healthy meats, you don't have to really worry about counting calories or dieting. Because I was going to ask that, like, do you? And I have my own opinion on this, but I'll ask you: Do you think it is appropriate for our youth athletes to be counting calories? For youth athletes, no. I mean, I think it's good to be aware of how many calories some foods have, especially if you are eating processed foods. It is good to know. It's surprising how fast, like a like a bag of chips, has bowls to, of cereals, at you know they, they add up. They add up way you know? quicker than you. So when you're when you're eating those kind of processed foods, I think you need to be aware. 
of how fast they add up. But if you're doing, you know, if you're eating the, the nutrient-dense plants and healthy meats, you really don't have to worry about it. You can eat until you're full. And, you know, when you're hungry, stop. But generally, you can eat when you're full when you're eating nutrient-dense foods. And, and just a quick note, I, I do want to put out there for the youth athletes. I don't think that most of you, if any of you, should spend a lot of time worrying about your weight at your age. I think with your activity level, as long as you're making healthy choices, I don't, so I spent a lot of time obsessing over weight in high school, and I don't think that's good. I think you need to be cognizant of that, cognizant of that as you move into your 30s and 40s, you know, that like your body will change, you'll, you'll get busy, you'll have a job and a, and a partner and kids or whatever, and, and you know, you might not have as much time to ride, and so at that point in your life, I think maybe for those folks, counting calories might be appropriate, but if, you know, like, again, because most of you, I don't, I don't think it's healthy for you to waste a lot of time freaking out about your weight like I did in high school. Um, you know, and if, if your doctor says otherwise, great. But, you know, I think for the majority of you, I wouldn't worry about your weight so much as you properly fueling your body as a machine so that it can serve you well on the bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your, your training, your nutrition, if, if you're taking that seriously and doing things right, the weight will take care of itself. Your body will naturally find a healthy weight at your activity level. And in fact, you know, sometimes people try to cut back so they can lose weight. And what ends up happening is it decreases the quality of their training. And so they don't, they're not as able, they're not able to do as much work because they are under fueled. And it actually has like a negative effect on their weight really, because they're not, you know, fueling is almost like an investment in being able to do more work, which is going to help body composition even more. So, so yeah, don't don't diet on the bike. Don't. Yeah. And I guess is my last question, Dan. Overall, how big a deal is this? I think it's huge. I, I think that it's not a marginal gain. I think, you know, that like results may vary. I mean, I know you guys all know someone who's super fast that eats like terrible foods and eats at Taco Bell every day and drinks Baja Blast all the time and they're faster than me. But if you really want to be the best that you can be, you need to take care of your body and, and nourish it well. You know, one of my um, one of my favorite guidelines is something that Alan Lim has said and and Alan Lim was was he the inventor of Scratch? Yeah, or? Alan Lim was was the basically the the genius behind the Scratch brand, which and again this is not a sponsored show. It's kind of you know, is, is, is the nutrition brand that I like the most that does seem to have some of the really best science behind it. And he's a he's fascinating a, he's guy. He's a genius. He's crazy. I've met him a few times, but he's, he's a really smart guy. I love, I love this guideline. And he says the best advice that he could ever give anybody is if when you eat something, pay attention to how you feel after you eat. And if that food makes you feel better, eat more of it. And we should emphasize after you eat it, after not during. You eat it. I mean, how simple is that? Because like the other day, I don't eat McDonald's very often, but when we were in Washington, I, I went to McDonald's and it tasted so good. I really enjoyed eating it. But about 10 minutes later, I kind of felt like I needed to take a shower. It, it just didn't feel good. But there's other foods like we just, for dinner, we just had some chicken and a big plate of vegetables and some potatoes and and I feel great right now. Yeah, I feel awesome. And then I saw you eat a couple of cupcakes, but you know, we, we we didn't have to mention that on the podcast, I guess. 
<laughs> it was Amy's birthday, and that's okay. That was it was it was part of my ten percent out of the ninety ten rule. See, the takeaway here is have as many kids as you can, so that you can celebrate as many birthdays as you can, right? Yeah. So yeah, you know, if, if when you eat something, if it makes you feel good, eat more of it, and if it makes you feel icky, eat less of it. I think that's a pretty pretty simple rule. Yeah. Nobody should be astounded by anything they heard tonight. I hope. You know, yeah. Not tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, if you heard some of this and you were like, "Oh my gosh, really?" Yeah, and you if know. you disagree with any of it, that's fine. Just don't, yeah, don't take our advice. You know? Yeah, it's whatever. You know, you know, we tried to keep it really simple and straightforward, but I'm confident that if if we if we take care of our bodies and nourish it well, we will be faster, healthier, and happier. All right, folks. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>